Merry Christmas from Divided Films. My name is JJ, and with me as always is my co-host Keith. Ha, ha, hello! Ho, 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 indeed, Keith. Uh, another season done, another year gone by. But yeah, this went fast. Went by fast, but it's been a lot of fun. I think we talked about a lot of great movies. And especially this past few weeks, we've definitely been in the holiday mood. So we thought for this bonus episode to wrap up the year, we'd continue in that spirit and do a holiday-themed version of a previous bonus episode idea. So we're going against the grain once again. Uh, so either picking movies that audiences and critics liked that we dislike, or vice versa, picking movies that audiences audiences and critics disliked that we like. But they're all Christmas movies. And so you're going to see some classics here, and we might be hitting some points of contention with our with our listeners here. So we'll see. We shall see. And just oh, I'm to- ready to get crucified. I just know it. I know I know that I can the the mob is outside my house. Uh, yeah, you'll, <laughs> you're gonna wind up on the naughty list probably, Keith, because I'm aware of your choices ahead of time. So here we go. Let's start off with one of your choices actually. The movie that audiences and critics like but you dislike is a classic hey. tradition that's one of a kind. A Christmas story. Uh, just to give you a sense of how much this is liked, on Rotten Tomatoes, this movie has an 89% approval from critics and 88% approval from audiences, and the critics' consensus, both warmly nostalgic and darkly humorous, A Christmas Story deserves its status as a holiday perennial. Case closed. Uh, well, maybe open, because now Keith is going to have his say as to why he is in disagreement about a Christmas story. Pick your words carefully, Keith. I'm, I'm like nervous. Uh, well, one, I have a couple things to say. One, I do not back down from a challenge. I think, I think picking a, a movie uh, that you haven't already chosen, a movie that a Christmas movie that audiences, critics love that I do not care for. Or I, like, I'm. It's not even that I. It's. I'm curious to hear what everyone's take. If you had to choose one, I'm kind of curious to what everyone had to say. Uh, because funny enough, when I asked my coworkers this, all of them, without prompting it, said a Christmas story. So I kind of found that interesting. I also don't want to be the leader of a movement for either of these, for either of my choices. I don't want to be. He said it. He's the leader. I don't want to be the face of anything. You're the anti Christmas story guy. I was very nervous when I chose this movie, um, and I thought I was going to text you right before I watched it going, like, I made a huge mistake, and I watched it, and I realized, like, it's not necessarily, it's not a bad movie. I don't think it's a bad movie. I just have no nostalgia for it, and I do not think that... I th- it's not that even that I missed the boat. It's just that when I finally saw all of it, I was whelmed to underwhelmed. Oh, whelmed. That's funny. Well, here's the thing, too. I will say that when it comes to opinions about Christmas movies, you know, your opinion, and that's like a general you, I think it, you know, people's opinions really depend on their attachment, their childhood attachments to Christmas movies. You know, you can maybe discover a new one that you like, 
But for the most part, if you grew up with a certain Christmas movie, you'll be more likely to favor it, right? There's that nostalgia bias. So I totally yeah. get that. And I think that, yeah, for the most part, people, there are people, I do know other people who aren't crazy about a Christmas story and they didn't grow up with it. I, on the, on the other hand, did grow up with it. But, you know, watching it not in the usual way that you watch most movies from start to finish, I was more used to it being in that 24 hour marathon on Christmas Day and sort of having it on and catching it at different parts and having my favorite parts to especially pay attention to. And I think that behooves this movie because. Yeah, Christmas Story is really a series of vignettes. You could call it Christmas Stories, really. And so I, I think even the commercials, when it's on TV, are strategically placed to start to to you know to be placed at the start and end of these of these chapters. So, you know, I I think I watched it from start to finish for only maybe the second or third time ever. Because I'm, again, I'm just used to just catching it in that loop. And yeah, I feel like it's it's kind of odd watching it just from start to finish it, it just kind of starts and ends and i i still like it but it's not the way i prefer to watch it yeah i have no problem with it being like uh a meandering hangout movie it's i don't want to say plotless but i don't have a problem with that i just whenever whenever people would ask me if i ever watched a christmas story my answer would be kinda i've seen it all just not all at once i because i've seen like I, I know it from the 24 hour uh, uh, marathon on TBS and I always caught the parts. I know all the, you know, I know the specific part, but I never watched it really straight through until sometime in my twenties when I, like, I think I was just, we were just home for Christmas and I actually did watch it. And I was like, this is fine. I think it is fine. I do have, and I just wanted to make sure I think I do have an array of Christmas movies, at least 10 other Christmas movies that I would put in front of this that maybe that I think are better or even that I'm more nostalgically attached to. I just don't have like there are funny parts of this movie and there are fine parts of this movie. I, I actually think the child actor that's the Peter Billingsley does a very good job as a child actor. I just do not hold the. Like, oh, my God, this is the best movie of all time. Like, this is the best Christmas story of all time. That, to others, maybe, but not to uh, not to me. And the, the, people are throwing rocks into my apartment now, JJ. They can hear boo. me. Yeah, you know what? Because I'm not here to say that Christmas story is the best Christmas story – is the best Christmas movie of all time. You know, that's so subjective. It all comes down to – it's uh, up there on a lot of lists. <laughs> I, I know, looked at it. It is. I would say that because of TBS uh, in the 24-hour marathon, it's it's almost considered to be synonymous with Christmas Day. Like for me, because I only ever watched it on Christmas Day during the marathon, for me, it's almost as if to watch this movie means it is Christmas. So it does have a lot of that nostalgia for me. I mean, it's even in the consensus there. But like it, uh, trying to watch it more objectively... You know, there are things I appreciate more as an adult now, like the fact that this is an interesting just slice of life sort of movie, looking into this era of American life, early 40s, Midwest, during the holidays, what family life was like. You know, I get a kick out of some little aspects like how this, this there was no TV yet. That was right before TV. When, when it's time to watch the kids' favorite program, they sit in front of the radio. And they just stare at the radio as they hear this radio show about Little Orphan Annie, like things like that. What kids did to entertain themselves, I, I like. I like getting a glimpse 
into that. And I, I'd be curious, you know, um, yeah, how, how maybe how accurate it is. I buy it. It seems very authentic to me. And I think the, uh, you know, I really find the cast charming. And it's funny, as a kid, I obviously resonate more with the Ralphie character and that desire to get that one gift, that coveted gift. But now as You'll an adult- You'll shoot your I, eye out. <laughs> uh, yeah, damn it. You'll shoot your eye out. But uh, as an adult too, I pay attention more so to the parents. And I really admire the different dynamics that each parent has with the kids. Especially like, you know, the end with the dad when he's, you know, he gets the gift for the son. And I, I find that such a beautiful father-son movement when he's unwrapping the BB gun and the father is like so, like he's the happiest he is in the entire movie to share this with his son. It's a little weird maybe in a modern lens having like a sweet sentimental moment of a kid unwrapping a gun. But yeah, it's, it's, it's forget that it's a BB gun. It's just getting that, having that magical moment on Christmas that makes it, the whole season worth it. I <laughs> I like to blame society for making me feel all like I do think because it, it's been the way it's been played, the way it's been overhyped. I don't even want to say overrated, but like it's definitely been overhyped to make me believe that it's the best Christmas movie. And I know I'll come back to it, but I would like to take a break, maybe not watch it for five years hopefully start a family of my own, become a father. And when I do watch, I'm watching it with a whole new different perspective and really appreciate it in a new light. That's how, that's how I'm going to view it as, but it's so like, I, I don't think I'll be turning on TBS to even catch a glimpse of it. I don't know. There, I have my Christmas movies. I actually did right. watch, uh, they, they kind of should do what, uh, it's a wonderful life. Like if it played maybe once a year, on us on TBS at like this instead of 24 hours. I don't know that that would be more special in my opinion, instead of the 24 hour marathon. And I get, I get the gimmick behind it and it's, it's been successful. But when I really watched it's a wonderful life, I I'll admit it. I had tears at the, like the ending really got to me. And I, that to me is like a high end, not only Christmas movie, it's a really great movie in general. Well, that That's... that movie definitely pays off from a more conventional viewing of start to finish. Whereas, again, a Christmas story kind of is one that you put on in you know in the background. It's like kind of putting on the the Yule log in a way. It just <laughs> it, it kind of adds to the tradition and to the atmosphere of Christmas Day to have this on, and uh, you know just just to add to everything else and you know the decorations and the music. You have this movie going on there, so. Um, yeah, you know, it's just it's part of a lot of people's traditions, and if it yes. wasn't part of yours, I can see you know like there's the hype, uh, negativity like that. The, or the, how long the have they been doing reaction. that? How long have they been doing that? Uh, the twenty four hour, like as long as I can remember since I was a kid. I remember, I I think they've been doing it since at least the the early nineties. Well, okay, people... I got cable late. I got cable late too. I got cable when I was eleven years old. Uh, mm -hmm. so like maybe there's also that aspect to it. I don't think I had it on VHS or anything. All the imagery sticks out to me. The, the bunny suit, the, right, right. The, 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 the quotes and everything. But yeah, no, I, I would say for about a full 10 years, I never really watched the movie start to finish. Yeah. I, I don't think I ever actually sat down. I would just catch like the certain parts, you know, you watch it in pieces and uh, you know what's also too I thought was interesting, and it just occurred to me. This is one of the few Christmas movies that there's no magical element. In fact, the movie even makes a point to to heavily imply, like, oh yeah, like 
Santa is pretend the parents are waiting for the kids to go to sleep and they're going to put the presents under. There's no there's no guise of there actually being a Santa Claus, unlike many other Christmas movies. So I just uh, I appreciated I that, that, though. Yeah, I, I just something that stuck out to me because all the other movies you're going to talk about has the Santa lore being an actual thing. And oh, in this yes. movie, It's like, no, 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 no. That's not the point. So I guess, Keith, you know, you're you're not this is not your favorite Christmas story or Christmas movie. But, uh, you know, that's that's again, I, I can see it. If you didn't grow there are up with some it, people no outside attachment. nodding their heads, they kind of get it like that. Some of them are putting down their Molotov cocktails. But I would I, I ask anyone listening if you had like what is I'm kind of curious what any what's a movie that like if the audience and critics like that you do not care for Christmas wise. I'm kind of very curious to hear it. Just, yeah, I don't after... have Facebook, so you can't reach me. <laughs> <laughs> They'll find a way. They'll send. They'll find they'll a send... way. They'll send yeah. rocks and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I guess every every movie that's considered like a beloved movie, you know, Christmas or otherwise, that every movie has its naysayers. So we'll yeah. see. Uh, okay, so that's a wrap on a Christmas story, and our friendship is still intact, thankfully, after that discussion. For uh, now. But now it's it's uh, now it's my time, my my turn t- uh, for maybe a little heat to be on the on the outs tier of the opinion. So we're going to move on to my pick for a Christmas movie that audiences and critics like that I dislike, and that is the 1994... Tim Allen. Johnny Naughty. Gary Nice. Veronica, very nice. The Santa Claus. Nice teeth. This Christmas movie has a 72% approval from critics, 65% approval from audiences, so not as enthusiastic, say, as A Christmas Story, but still... Uh, fairly well liked and the critics consensus the santa claus is utterly undemanding but it's firmly rooted in the sort of good old-fashioned holiday spirit missing from too many yuletide films modern yuletide films i should say so uh yeah you know again this is not one that i particularly grew up with the santa claus not part of my christmas uh like you know not part of my christmas tradition to, to tune into this one uh, I think my older cousins were more into this one, right? 1994, I was like too young when this comes out and my cousins were like the right age for this. So, uh, yeah, I think if, for example, I went over to like relatives for Christmas, they would have it on, but I didn't pay too much attention to it. Uh, having watched it recently and maybe for like the, only the third or fourth time, uh, this kind of, this Christmas movie just does a lot of things that I don't really care for in a lot of other Christmas movies. Like, I don't know, some of these cliches, like the whole subplot of you know child custody and everything, I think takes away from the the what should be a clever concept. And then the concept itself is, you know, it's clever uh, when you when you pitch it on an elevator. But then the more you think about it, it is kind of dark and bizarre. I I don't know. Like when a Santa Claus dies, the next guy who just happens to put on his jacket becomes the next Santa Claus, and. You know, what's what's really weird about that, too, I noticed, is that when when Tim Allen arrives in the North Pole and everyone's like, oh, you're the new Santa. Like, I guess the other guy disappeared. Like, no one seems too beat up that the last Santa Claus is dead. It's like, Pope's. I, I, yeah, <laughs> it's like, all right, next one. I don't know. I It's, again, an interesting concept, but too much of it does not work for me. I don't like the kid. I find the kid in this movie to be kind of annoying. Not all the humor really hits for me. I think Tim Allen has some has some funny moments, but again, like this whole convoluted subplot about how he's losing custody of his kid because he has too much imagination. Like I didn't really get any of that, 
And nor did I really care. Like, why not just focus on a guy becoming Santa Claus? That's that's the part that was sold and any of the part that kind of worked. But instead, we get bogged down in a really, um, I don't know, a head-scratching B-plot. Yeah, this movie, well, <laughs> yeah, this movie, like, the line pitch, the, the line pitch of this is just, okay, that, that hey, Tim Allen becomes Santa Claus. Even uh, the title, the Santa Claus. That's, like a I think it, they just sold you on that. They just sold you on that, and it, it, it. We're gonna have to explain to a younger generation that Tim Allen was at least like a bankable comedic actor at at one point in the early nineties. Yeah, and he was. He was up there in the nineties. I don't want to offend anyone out there. If you like this movie, that's fine. But this movie is for babies. Like this movie is legit for young people. Although. I was surprised at how long they do this movie is about like child custody. Like 10 there's at least like 10 minutes dedicated to Tim Allen losing custody of his child because he think they, everyone thinks that he is Santa Claus. I want to see a movie from uh Judge Reinhold and the mom's perspective cuz they must think that he is insane. <laughs> but I totally I totally don't even understand even before he starts turning into Santa Claus they're like we don't think he's it's it's good for him to be around you like why because he has an overactive imagination that makes no sense and then what else oh because you're getting fat and you have a white beard we, you can't have your son anymore none of that really made any sense to me there was and well i have two questions about this movie uh one a well one is more of a statement when the uh judge reinhold at the end tim allen leaves to go do his presence as santa claus and judge ronald is like hey you'd make a pretty good psychiatrist and the kid goes i'm gonna go into the family business does that mean he's gonna kill his dad i oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah right like or is he gonna become an elf like what does that mean i don't think it quite works that way uh yeah there's there's just like a lot of funny things to to uh, poke fun at this movie that you know it's funny unintentionally at times Again, because the concept is is a little out there. I think this maybe would have worked better as like a cartoon short than like a full length live action movie. Even the whole thing about the because half the movie is that first night that he becomes Santa and he's like, you know, like, whoa, this is crazy. And he's going into chimneys and stuff. And even as a kid, I was like, he is taking forever at every single house. Like at this rate. You know, like that's that's like the one thing when you first start to realize as a kid that Santa isn't real. It's like, wait a minute, like to hit each house, <laughs> you'd have to like be going at the speed of light. And so like any kind of movie where Santa is taking his time at every house, uh, you know, even as a kid, I was like, wait, this doesn't make any well, sense at all. This comes out at the time when like I think studios wanted more. There wasn't enough family movies. So I think studios just said yes to everything and anything like i you know i think angels in the outfield came around out out around oh, there was time. an explosion like, explosion of family and whatever stuck stuck and tim allen once again we're gonna have to tim allen was one of the biggest television stars from throughout all the 90s like home improvement maybe it's forgotten now but was always in the top 10 like most one of the most watched shows from 90 to 99 so he yeah, was like for the time like and he was Buzz Lightyear. Or he is Buzz Lightyear. Who, uh, so it's I – mean, I'm not going to go into Jungle to Jungle but like, or, or the other Santa Claus sequels that we don't need to talk about. But this one like, – The Mrs. Claus. They, but like, this one is just so – I wonder how – I would love to – how a kid would enjoy this. I'm very curious. Uh, a modern-day kid would enjoy this because it does have a lot of the same things. Like, you know, the ranger farting, farting 
that uh, that a lot of kids would enjoy. But yeah, it goes into like I'm still kind of confused how the wife all did all they had to do was stare into his eyes and they're like, oh yeah, you're Santa. Is that it? Like I I get from a screenwriting perspective, you have an hour and a half. How do you how do you wrap this up? You're Santa. I see it now. I hmm. I, I don't know. It's this is a strange like. This is a family movie. It's a fun family movie. The, the kids are going to have fun, maybe, I, I, and I think they will. The parents are just going to sit there going like, this is a weird – there's a lot little to dissect kids. there. Yeah, little kids. Little kids. Little kids. Little kids. really like it, which I think those, that was the age my cousins were. You know, They were just at the – like I don't know, they were like six or seven when this comes out. Perfect. And so, again, like if you grew up with this movie, I can see wanting to go back to it. But I feel like it's a very specific age group that was the right window for when this comes out. And so, yeah, I haven't even seen the sequels. I don't know if it improves I or don't whatever. Want to. <laughs> we yeah, watched this yeah, movie. Really... We watched this movie when we were living together. We because we would always get into the Christmas spirit, and we were like, we haven't seen this in a while. And I think I was shocked that a, a mom is like worried about her son. Her son was basically kidnapped, and all the police are joking about it. <laughs> You know that that's also like a weird thing in Home Alone. If you, because uh, I rewatched that one the other week, that uh, police being very um, like like not taking missing children seriously, like like oh right, big deal. All right, fine, we'll send someone to like check on your kid or find out where your kid is, and and like as if it's no big deal. Like oh okay, fine, I'll do my job. I don't know, like a weird trend there. I did one uh, last note about. I don't think well between this and I think Hocus Pocus came out a year ago. There's not going to be like, I don't think you're gone are the days of adult jokes or adult humor or attempts of an adult humor in kids movies because this is both of them are Disney movies. You'll never see that in a Disney movie. Like you'll never see oh, any no. of these kind of premises or like. Well, I imagine that Tim Allen, right, right. There's some of that, again, like for the adults. And I imagine that Tim Allen maybe had some free range to, you know, like improvise a little bit, like a quip here, a quip there, uh, because he's like, he's the the comedic selling point of the movie, right? You're expecting to get some Tim Allen. Yeah, they're not going for Judge Reinhold. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> I went for Judge. I, 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 and I like it, Judge. I like you, uh, but, but, uh, yeah. So, again, not one I'm nostalgic for, but uh, you know, if other people are, I'm curious if you know, if you watch it with, if you try to take off those rose-colored glasses, uh, you know, if if you see it for the faults that it has, not quite sure. Okay, so now we're gonna we're gonna try to get back on the nice list here by supporting some some christmas movies being more positive about it so now we're going to switch it up and talk about movies christmas movies we like that audiences and critics disliked so we'll go back to keith's choice here and keith your pick for this category is the 2000 movie jim carrey is the grinch there'll be no sad faces on christmas rated pg uh on ron tomatoes only 49 percent of critics approved of how the Grinch stole Christmas and 56% of audiences approved. So like middling mix, but still rotten scores nonetheless. And the critics consensus on how the Grinch stole Christmas. Jim Carrey shines as the Grinch. Unfortunately, it's not enough to save this movie. You'd be better off watching the TV cartoon. 
So, Keith, is this one like what's your history with this live action Grinch oh. movie? Did you like see it when it had come out and and like what what is your defense? Not only did I this was one of the uh, a movie that our school brought us to for field trip to the movie theater and I went back and saw it again cuz I I and I must have really once again Jim Carrey I think is still riding a high. This is right before Bruce Almighty and I was also once again going to text you before I rewatch this movie going, oh, I made a huge mistake. Uh, and this one is probably easier to pick maybe a bad movie, uh, a movie that I would enjoy. But when I when I was thinking of this movie, I was like, I, I still kind of. I, I think there's something about it that I liked. And then when I watched it, I still kind of dig it like it, I, I it has its flaws. But I think, and I, I once again I've looked at the Christmas list on websites. I don't think I don't have a lot of people in my corner on this. Uh, hmm. But I, I think you're getting a really great performance from Jim Carrey. I I, I think he actually does. I, there are times I forget the the makeup is so good, and I know that he hated doing all that. But Rick Baker, oh my god, Rick Baker is a master at like this is. Like his seventh Oscar, he I think this won the Oscar, and rightly deserved it. But I in that opening when he smiles, that's the Grinch. You see, like it's Jim Carrey, but it's the Grinch. And I think Ron Howard added a lot of life to who Whoville, yeah Whoville. Like it add like I I don't know. It was a world that I was interested in, and I like if we're only able to get one good live action Doctor Seuss. I'm happy with this. Like it actually did have a plot that I like it. It did have a, if you were to split this movie into two parts, one being the action from the book and the other being like a setup to it. I, I, I went along with it and it actually, there were parts that made me laugh. I kind of dig it. Okay. That's fair. I'll say this. I think in, from a production standpoint, this movie does a really great job bringing a live action who to life, you know, with the sets the makeup and everything, although I don't know, the the look of these who people is a little much at times. They're like I don't know, they have like mouse noses or something. Uh, but for the most yeah, part, yeah, they're weird looking people. <laughs> they they have they have fun, I think, from a production standpoint, uh, and so I, I respected that. But I just everything should have worked about this movie for me on paper, and and it just did not translate. Like Jim Carrey as a kid, this movie comes out with them nine years old. And, you know, at the time, I love Jim Carrey. I really like the 60s short of The Grinch. And, um, you know, I, I I don't think we even saw it in theaters, my family. But when I finally did see it, I just was kind of bored with it. I just it just seemed like, you know, the, the task of the writers to take this this short book and this, this short cartoon and turn it into a feature length movie you know that is kind of a challenge. There's a lot yeah. you have to add, and I don't know if I, I don't know if I frankly care about the Grinch's backstory about when he was a kid and why he hates Christmas and fleshing out like giving Cindy Lou Who a backstory. Like I don't really care yeah, about okay. any of that. So, and again, I don't want to say you should never make this into a movie or you should never make that into a movie, but it is a challenge and. 
you know, I just watching this straight through is kind of a challenge for me. Jim Carrey can be funny at times, but even him when like in the opening, there's like like a good five to ten minute sequence of just him alone, just rip like in the Grinch's cave house, and it's like the one man show of the Grinch, and even that is kind of hit and miss. Uh, I I really want to like this, I do, but I just I don't laugh as much as I should be laughing, and uh, it just didn't resonate with me. I think it to me too. It, this whole movie seems like it was created in a marketing meeting, right? It's like okay, what's a sh- what's a cartoon? What's okay, a Christmas yeah. special that people really like? Okay, the Grinch. Who's a comedic actor who's at the top of his game right now? Jim Carrey, uh, director with a track record, Ron Howard. And you get a bunch of other comedic actors in there, too. Like, you get Jeffrey Tambor, Molly Shannon. Like, it should be really funny. I think also, for me, I'm just, I'm just such a fan. No, this, go, go I'm ahead. Sorry. No, I'm, I, it's not in my top ten Christmas movies. But when I had to think of a movie that – I don't think I've seen the bad ones. Or at least, like, I will never choose – I'll oh, I, never choose Polar Express. I don't – I will never choose – that's a, that's a right, nightmare. Right. Uh but I, I'm reaching into somewhat like the, I kind of dig this. That's my defense. You know, for me, ultimately, I feel like this movie just comes off as superficial. I, I don't really feel like there's any Christmas magic there. It just all seems too overproduced for me. And like any any movie that I enjoy about Christmas, I feel like is more about like the spirit of the holiday and everything like that. Here, it just seems like this is just like a com- very commercial for me, and so it just didn't just doesn't work. And I and unfortunately, I feel like as time has gone on, people care less and less about this movie. Like I, I think this was played less and less on TV, and you know people like are gradually moving more and more away from it. In fact, I had a really surreal moment with this movie a few years ago at one of my old jobs. I, um, they were playing it in the conference room as just like a Christmas like event. Like, hey, anyone want to come in and you know hang out in the conference room while this movie's playing? Feel free, open door. Nobody went wow. in. And I walked past this conference room a few times. It had glass walls you can see inside. And it was just weird that this movie was playing to nobody. <laughs> it was such a surreal moment. It's like you can spend millions and millions of dollars, sit in a makeup chair for hours and hours and hours, and all that can be played into like an empty room eventually, twenty wow, yeah. like almost twenty oh years later. God. Just I feel like that really <laughs> encapsulates how this movie has aged over the years. It really wants to be a classic. It really does. I just also another issue for me is that it's like it's too frantic too at times. Like when you're in Whoville and people are shopping at stuff, I feel like it has like the energy of maybe a play. Like maybe this could work better on stage and you can, you know, like, I feel like the actors are like, it, it just from, from the energy of it, it seems like really frantic at times. And that's a little, um, that's, that's a little off putting. So, you know, it's, it's too bad. I think this movie does have some fans, but less. Yeah. Than less yeah. No. Sure. I, and once again, I don't want to be the face of a movement here. Uh, there are dozens of us. Uh, You're the face of the Grinch. I, yeah, I don't want to look. This does not hold a candle to the nineteen to the cartoon, and apparently right. they like. I I was shocked. I think I remember seeing a trailer for this, but they tried to. Uh, I think Illumination tried to do uh, a cartoon, and oh, that yeah. doesn't hold a candle to this one. Or like, like it, right. That's even worse. And I think the lesson is, uh, as I can agree with you. For a good amount of it that as time went on 
the uh, legacy of this movie, but also the legacy of Dr. Seuss movies. Because they attempted, this movie did do financially well. And I, I was looking at the Rotten Tomatoes. People, some, there are some people that do have a, uh, a, soft spot, a soft spot for this movie. So when, you know, this movie did well, so we'll do Cat in the Hat, which did not do well. So, oh my God, that's a nightmare. That's, that's a nightmare, a nightmare movie. movie. Uh, and then they tried to do cartoons, animated. And it kind of worked. I remember well, I enjoying think... Horton Here's a Who. I didn't, and then I didn't see any of them out. I didn't see the Lorax or. Actually, from what I read, because of how disastrous and poorly received um, the Cat in the Hat was, especially by uh, Dr. Seuss's wife, like the the um, you know the widow Seuss or whatever her actual name is, uh, she and she owns like the rights to all this material. She said she would never agree to give this give the rights for any live action adaptations of dr seuss's work after the cat in the hat after that so that's why we were only getting animated features which also i mean i think that makes sense too i mean it's still a challenge to make a 20 page book with eight lines on it a i totally agree but i i think that as i was watching this movie and we've talked about jim carrey before I was kind of just in awe that he is – A, I don't think anyone could have – like if they were going to make a Grinch movie, whether we like, wanted to or not, I think a live-action Grinch movie, I can't imagine anyone else doing the Grinch except for Jim Carrey. But I can't imagine – I want. they're never going to make one again. So I think this is the best that we got. And there's some things that I kind of dig about it. And I may yeah. not be in that conference room, but I remember it was on uh, Freeform or uh, ABC Family a lot. That's when it got got its replays. And I remember just watch. I was just kind of in awe of Jim Carrey being such a comedy genre of his own this, t- this time around. Mm-hmm. And he does make me laugh a few times in this movie right i certainly i certainly it makes me laugh a few times i certainly admire all the energy he's giving and all and all that he put into this movie he certainly if it wasn't for him then if, if you take him out of this equation then this movie has oh, yeah, yeah, a yeah. way way lower score it's like way in the bottom there so he he is like the the one really bright spot in this movie uh it's just a shame that like the rest of it couldn't match him um so yeah, okay it, it, so it's... I give it like a I would give it like a 60 61. Like it it does it is a passable movie in my opinion. So I kind of like in in terms of yeah, that's that's my going against the grain. Okay. So Keith has gone against the grain for how the Grinch stole Christmas. He went up to bat for that one. And now it's my turn to go up to bat for a poorly received Christmas movie. And uh, the one I picked for this category is the 1996 Arnold Schwarzenegger. Nice doggy. Jingle all the way. Rated PG. Now playing only in theaters. I mean, this th- these scores are pretty rough. Uh, only 19% of critics approved of Jingle all the way. 38% of audiences approved. Still a low score, but significantly higher than the critics. And the uh, Rotten Tomatoes consensus... Arnold Schwarzenegger tries his best, but Jingle All the Way suffers from an uneven tone, shifting wildly from a would-be satire on materialism to an antic slapstick yuckfest. Uh, I couldn't agree more. 
I feel like I'm kind of cheating with this pick because ultimately I enjoy this movie ironically. However, I did grow up with this movie. My family, we genuinely enjoyed Jingle All the Way when I was a kid. We watched it every year with a bunch of other... Yeah, this was part of our Christmas, um, you know, whatever. Like rep- I, I forget what the word is, but this was just this was on the slate. This was on our Christmas slate. And so, uh, yeah, I, I have some nostalgia for it. But, of course, looking back now as an adult, I'm like, this is really, really dumb. But it is fun to watch, even if you're making fun of it. And it's just like when, when it goes to like the yuck fest, you know, when you have like, uh, I don't know, uh, a Santa Claus with um, like a ninja Santa with candy cane nunchucks. Or you have this crazy uh, green screen sequence with the jetpack. The movie is like nuts. It goes it, it goes so far off the rails. It's it's like like. Did anyone look at each other and it's like, guys, what are we doing? Like he's in a you have jet to know pack and he's point. flying through. You have to look at people have to look at themselves and like be like, what is happening in this movie here? Like, what are we trying to do? Yeah, we talk about elevator pitches. Can you imagine being an elevator with the guy pitching this movie to you? You'd be hitting all the what buttons. What even is this movie's insane? I think I have a. It is nuts. I have a suspicion that the whole you know Tuberman a rush for this fictional toy. I I. <laughs> feel like this is inspired by what was the mad rush for the actual toy of uh tickle me elmo from what i have been told there was an insane rush for that toy and people did wait hours and hours and hours to get that and it sold very quickly and um so maybe that's this that's like the basis for this tipperman uh, insanity in this movie and so i mean maybe like if you really were trying to lean in on like the satire of materialism and you you try to actually have more clever comedy Maybe you'd have something there, but uh, yeah, ultimately uh, it becomes like a live action cartoon. Oh, well, definitely. Like, well, who is this for? That is 100%. And yet, and yet, we always say that time is like a movie's best friend in this. I have probably seen, whether it's with you at our friends' holiday parties where it's on in the background or we're just like having a holiday movie party, there are a ton of YouTube channels that I love that do. that do commentary for this movie. I have probably seen this movie more times in the past decade than the other three movies. It is such a good, bad movie. Like it is up there with uh, the room or Batman and Robin uh, or the wow, wow, uh, wow, wow West. I, I think it's so fun to watch with friends. It's fun. It's a, it's so insane. And they had to know, I think when uh big show, comes in i think the i bet all those santas on set had to go like belushi and uh and the guy from uh seinfeld oh yeah yeah mickey from seinfeld yeah they had to go like this is so bad but let's just own it ham it up yeah they they totally uh they totally ham it up and it's like yeah this is at during when arnold schwarzenegger decided he wanted to do family movies i mean i think this is after a bunch of the other ones that are also poorly received like you know kindergarten cop junior twins like he was really determined to do family comedies and I, my the thing i howl at the most in this movie of everything out of everything is just how you know when he has this turbo man costume on at the end his wife and son have no idea it's him and there's yeah. nothing covering his face he's speaking in his thick austrian accent and they're like wow how does he know my name like i wow, wish my like, dad could be here well i, I got something you... to share with you 
Howard, oh my God. It's like, how many Austrian bodybuilders are there in Minneapolis? That's the thing I, that, that still makes, I'm laughing now just thinking about it. It is so ludicrous. Like Sinbad calls in a bomb threat. Yes. And everyone's okay, every, or not everyone's okay with it, but it's part of the plot of him pulling out a uh, a box and going like, "People leave this in posts all the time." That I'm calling it a bomb, and also Which, like, Sinbad's great in this too, in a, in a bad way. But he's well, he's, he's Sinbadding he's so- it up. He's such an insane character. Like when in his first few minutes on screen, he's like strangling a random woman that I feel bad for. And then also like whose idea was it to make a joke based on the Unabomber, right? Because that was what was going on in the 90s. People were terrified to get explosive in the mail. And someone thought, you know what? This would make a funny subplot in the Christmas movie I'm writing. Who's like I don't know. It, it there's so much about it that makes no sense that it's like a it's a treasure trove. It is the room of Christmas movies. Yeah, but I think there's something so. Once again, I've seen this probably more like all through all the past the last three movies that we talked about combined. Like I've seen this movie through like f- and I've had fun watching it. There is something yeah. to be said there. Not maybe what the, the filmmakers had initially set out to, like to be what the entertainment value out of this is but yeah i mean it's super quotable too i mean i i, I mean obviously arnold Schwarzenegger is like the easiest person to do an impression of but like so many lines like i love saying like put the cookie down put the now. cookie down that's a classic line you know jamie there's, there's so much in this movie chris parnell is... laughing <laughs> all right a very young chris parnell just as an insane toy store worker i mean also you have phil hartman in this as, who's excellent like, this, the sleazy single dad next door. And something I thought about during the most recent watch of this that I hadn't thought of before. It's like, wait, is this is this Phil Hartman character? He's he is insane, this guy, but also he it seems like he could have any woman in this neighborhood that he wants. Why would he pursue the woman married to like a six foot five bodybuilder? <laughs> it's like why would the you challenge. try to get with get with the woman whose husband can totally just break you <laughs> without even flinching? And he right? buys a reindeer. Yes, he has like that, a reindeer. That adds to the insanity. Which 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 Arnold Schwarzenegger calls a doggy. Like yeah. good doggy. <laughs> like, there what? are there are points in Phil Hartman's plot line where he's like, I enjoy your wife's cookies. You'll never see that in a kid's movie. Like there was something as many family movies as there were in the nineties. The innuendos that were in these movies are yeah. abundant. They're in abundance. I don't know what they were thinking when they were making these '90s family entertainment or even kids entertainment, because even like cartoons for kids back then, like Rocko's Modern Life or Ren and Stimpy, those were full of sexual innuendos. Like, what was the deal back then that it's like, you know what? Like, we're trying to entertain the whole family, but let's also try to get away with as many dirty jokes as possible. I was going to say, it's possible. probably like, let's. What can we sneak past? And it's just like. Yeah, Phil Hartman is just like, hey, how you doing? Like, I, can I have your wife's cook? I'm enjoying cooking for your wife. Like, he's like a real life Zap Brannigan. It's it's amazing. I do miss like this movie also makes me incredibly miss him. Like, I yeah. miss him in uh, like such a comedic force, at least for me. And uh, yeah, no, it's. I have one more thing I have to ask. This movie about has a lot movie. of power to it, and it, 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 there is Christmas magic. 
Yeah, there is something to be said that it is fun to watch. It's people are still watching it to this day, even if it's ironically like uh, smart Alec hipsters like who grew up in the 90s are keeping this alive. And uh, one other thing I was curious about, you have this kid, Jake Lloyd, who obviously we know was most most known for a young Anakin Skywalker. Did George Lucas watch this movie and thought that's Anakin? Because he is like bad in this movie. He's like a pretty annoying kid. Like, come on, dad, you said you would be here. It's like Turbo Man always says. <laughs> it's like every every line that comes out of his vo- out of his mouth, I'm just like cringing. I'll tell you I'll, I'll tell you this. That there's a good possibility that that happened, but it made me appreciate once again Peter Billingsley as as uh, Ralphie. Right. Because I I'm trying to think of any 90s kid, any 90s son from Liar Liar to hmm. Uh, Santa Claus to yeah, because uh, I was just saying all the too, way to the Santa Toys, Claus uh, kid. Yeah, the Santa Claus kid I thought was pretty whiny and annoying. They're all as named well. Max, and they all they all have the same are... haircut. Yeah, none of them. I think if you weren't Jonathan Taylor Thomas in the '90s, you really weren't having a career. And Jonathan Taylor Thomas didn't even want a career. <laughs> we always go back to JTT on this podcast. JTT. But yeah, um, just just like a curious, this guy that started in this movie. I think a majority of people Anakin. would give you this, like a more, yeah. I, or a majority of people, like they know it's bad, but damn it, if you're like, damn it, they went for, they really went for it, and I didn't get, at least I don't, I, what, um, if you're making. If you're making a movie that's like – I think the what's great about The Room is it is authentic. They are trying to entertain you, but how they entertain you is so – like you're kind of amazed by their authenticity that it ends up being enjoyable. Right, like They're yeah, not ironic about it. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's something like you need a right recipe of having like just like unbridled enthusiasm like like – just turn it up to a 10, whatever you're trying to do. And at every scene that you do, just like make as an insane choice as possible. Like it, cause sometimes so these true. movies are just <laughs> bad in ways that you would never even expect. Like some of these lines, some of these deliveries, some of these scenarios, it's like, wait, what did they say? What is happening now? They just, and like, it breaks you at some point. So you just have to totally, um, sometimes it's worth making the insane choice. Cause then you Sinbad can... is willing to, once again, all the terrible shit that he does throughout the movie, but he chases Jake Lloyd. He's willing to kill a kid for a yes. toy. <laughs> like <laughs> even when they're dangling for their lives on that tree, they're dangling from a building. He still is saying, give me the doll kid. It's like, what? Like you are about to die and you still are laser focused on this. And a costume like that should not work like that, <laughs> but it he does. knows the ins and outs also. Okay. So this kid almost dies for this doll. And at the end of everything, when Sinbad's getting arrested, Jake Lloyd's like, here, you can have the doll. It's like, what? After all that, after he almost tried to kill you, you could have just given it to him right away and saved us all that trouble. But no, don't give him the doll after he tried to murder you. Like, oh, Christmas spirit and whatnot. Like, no, he does not deserve the goodwill of of Christmas spirit after that. Oh, man, I can go on and on. But uh, you know, maybe we'll, we'll have to do that. it. We'll have to do our own commentary about this movie one of these <laughs> yeah, days. We really will. Um, so there you have it. I, I wonder if, like, you know, the retrospective on Jingle All the Way, if that's something that you know, Rotten Tomatoes sometimes will go back and do that, like you know, um, 
Oh, it's still like, a yeah. bad movie. But it is. It, it, it is. It's but not fun. There needs to be like a third score here. Like, okay, critics don't like it, audiences don't like it, but there needs to be like some sort of other type of assessment of like our entertainment. faces on it. Our faces Enter- on it. <laughs> <laughs> the divided films uh, assessment. Uh, there has to be like an entertainment value because something could be really bad, like nineteen percent approval rating bad, yeah, but still really more entertaining than something that's like seventy percent approval it's not a rating. Bad idea. Because once you know again, I, mean? I think Showgirls is a masterpiece. Yeah, and, and trash it is. movie. No, it, it's a trash movie, but better than most mediocre movies. Right? Like, I, <laughs> it's crazy. That's like a whole other dimension of how you assess movies. And so, um, I, I don't know. You can never measure any two movies usually. Well, like, if you're like listening Apple Rotten Apples. Tomatoes, if you're listening Rotten Tomatoes, make, like, come on. this could be our Christmas gift. <laughs> this is our Christmas wish. And uh, we'll see if we're from the nice list for this. Um, all right, guys. So, yeah, there you have it. If if you guys have like a Christmas movie that you feel like you're against the grain with, let us know, because I think everyone has that one. The one that you like there when dislikes or vice versa. Um, but, you know, uh, you know, keep watching your, your holiday classics. There's a lot out there. I know for me. I still have to watch um, you know, Die Hard is which I still I say is definitely a Christmas movie. That's one I still have to watch as well as Elf. I think those are all universally liked. I don't think it's a Christmas movie. I a movie that takes place during Christmas is not necessarily a Christmas movie. And I watched Die Hard recently, and it has not. There's no Christmas cheer in it. <laughs> but uh, there's well, like this. The score has like like Christmas type music. Like there's like jingles throughout the whole well, score. Well, it takes place during I don't know. Christmas, but I don't know. I don't like. I'm not, I don't want to get. I don't want to let get the internet after me, but I also don't want to bow to its like Christmas. Oh, we're representing also two sides of a of a really long debate about whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie. And honestly, it depends. I think if you make it part of your Christmas tradition to watch it, you can eventually like have it in your mind to be like associated with Christmas if you just always watch it during this time of year. It depends on what you want to do with that. So, you know, to each their own. Yeah. I, I make it part of my Christmas tradition, but if uh, other people don't see it that way, then I don't know. That's that's on you. All right. Uh, you know. Uh, but okay. But thanks everyone for listening and for uh, you know sticking by us throughout uh, this whole year. Merry Christmas. Keep an eye out. Merry Christmas. Happy New, New, New year. year. Happy holidays. And see you next year in 2022 with more divided films. All right. Thanks a lot.